Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. I don't know how many of y'all was up early this morning and saw that beautiful sunrise, but, you know. You know, that's a sunrise I'd never seen before. You know, every day the Lord gives us a new sunrise. And I'm excited to be here in my church, my home church, to speak today. And a little bit apprehensive because a lot of y'all know me. And, and uh, But I'll start out with a Bible verse here from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah 41, verse 13. says, For I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand, is I who says to you, Fear not. I'm the one who helps you. So when y'all see me up here this morning, y'all only may see me, but there's somebody up here with me, standing beside me that gives me the strength and the help that I need. So, But again, it's an honor and a privilege to be here today to speak to y'all about the work through the Gideons organization. And for the ones that may not know about the Gideons, the Gideons is an association, association of Christian business and professional men and their wives dedicated to telling people about Jesus through their personal testimonies, service, and by providing Bibles. We collect no pay and pay our own way. Founded in 1899 by two men who were traveling salesmen, today there are more than 285,000 in 200 countries, territories, and possessions. Positioned to reach the world's majority of the 7 billion people. God has blessed this ministry as 100, his first 120 years with our personal testimonies for Christ while trusting God to open doors and place and distribute Bibles across a morally declining world. We strive side by side with Protestant evangelical churches and assemblies as partners in the Great Commission to win others to Christ in our Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'd like to start off by reading a couple of testimonies here I'd, I've cut out of the Gideon magazine. And this is, uh, said, was sent a few years after a witnessing encounter. said, Dear Mr. Adrian Maddox, Hey, Mr. Maddox, not sure if you remember me or not, but I helped you re-level houses in Tupelo. I was probably 18 years old when you asked me to come to your office one day after work. When I got there, you asked me if I believed in God. And I told you I didn't. The conversation went back and forth. You gave me a New Testament from the Gideons and asked me to read it. I never did. I kept it in my truck for a good while. I got into some trouble and was sentenced to prison. I'm still here for eight more years to serve. However, praise God that he finally got through to me. In November of 2014, I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. The Lord put you on my heart to thank you for witnessing to me as I never forgot about that encounter. I know that you are still witnessing to others and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Roger. And another one here referring to a Bible of size said, My father worked long, hard days on the farm. He suffered a stroke at the age of 87 that left him paralyzed on the left side of his body. His mind and speech were left intact, but the use of his body was not. He could not roll over, sit up, nor grasp anything that was not in the reach of his right hand. Even with medication, he was in excruciating pain most of the times. 
He felt trapped and miserable. When we arrived at the nursing home, I put my dad's clothes in the, in the chest by his bed. It was then I found a Gideon Place Bible in the drawer. Spiritually, my father had never been a regular churchgoer. However, reading this Bible became a staple for my dad. In the coming hours, days, and months ahead, my father read and consumed scripture. During this time, I witnessed a clear change in him. He grew closer to God and would even ask visitors to read the Bible and pray with him. My father passed away in November 2018. I know his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I will be forever grateful for the Gideon Place Bible that prepared my dad for eternity. And everyone that has made a contribu contribution to the Gideons is part of these testimonies. And I can tell you a little something that happened to me a couple months ago. Savannah and myself were over here trubbing, uh, trimming the shrubs, and, and it was one of, on a Saturday morning, it was 95, one of those hot days, and we was around back there spraying some ground up and on some grass and stuff, and there was a van pulled up behind us. And... It pulled up and backed up and pulled up a time or two, and, and that's when I turned around and noticed, and a guy came out, and I noticed on the side of the van, it said, uh, Wounded Warriors. And so the guy was asking, he said, how's the best way to get from here to Bowling Green? And he said, I've got some cyclists coming. And so something in my mind thought of motorcycles. But but anyway, and I told him, and and he said they'd left Lebanon that morning, and they were on the way to, to Fort Campbell. They'd left, they'd left from Ashland. And, uh, but anyway, he told him, and he said they needed a cool place to, in inside of Main Street, cause, so he would see them when they came through. So I told him to go over and sit on the, the bank parking lot underneath the tree there. He'd see Main Street as he came in. He'd see them. So anyway, we got finished. And so then on the way home to unload the shrub and stuff, and I thought, well, I ought to go back over and see the, the soldiers, cause when I, you know, was going to Warrior. So I went to the house, and all I had was seven little New Testaments. And and uh, so I took the seven. I didn't know how many people were going to be. and But anyway, we took the seven New Testament Testaments and some of these little out cards. And so I came back over here, and when I came pulled up, the guy, you know, the van was here. And, uh, and I, when I got it, there were two, two uh, bicycles. But one bicycle was a two-man bicycle. And then... As I got out, I noticed there was one guy sitting there in a chair, and he was putting his leg back on one leg. His left leg was gone. And also when I got out, and I looked at him, and I introduced myself and told him what I was, what I was and I had, you know, was here to pass out some Gideon Bibles. And when he looked at me, he was white in one eye, and I could tell that he, he was blind in the other eye. And so I told him, I said, well, I've got some Bibles and some, some out cards here for y'all, and I said, I've only got one uh, military Bible. And so the guy sitting there in the chair, he said, what's the difference in a military Bible and the rest of them? And I said, well, nothing. It's just all cosmetic. I said, you know, it's the same on the inside, but, you know, it's just camouflaged on the outside. So he was, they were all very, you know, acceptive of the Bibles and, and the getting cards and the out cards here. And, but while I was talking to the one that was putting his leg back on, he said he knew Christ. And so after I left, and it just, in my mind, I was thinking, I, and I would say the guy was 30, 35 years old in that, in that age bracket, and I thought, how can a young man not be bitter to the world that he, he left healthy and he came back blind and with one leg? 
And then I also thought, if he knows Christ, he knows he's only here for a short time, and it won't, it won't be long. He'll have a glorified body, and he won't be in the shape he's in. So, uh, but as Gideons, we believe in the Bible's infallible Word of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Have received received Him as our personal Savior. Endeavor to follow Him in our daily lives. Believe there is a heaven and a hell, and accept the biblical marriage between one man and one woman. We place Bibles, God's holy word, or portions thereof, in hotels, motels, hospitals, schools, prisons, military bases, institutions, some offices, and also through distribution for some personal use. Other countries are hungry for the Bible. Three per second are distributed in 85 languages. Since 1908, we have given out two billion Bibles. Since 2001, in the last 18 years, one billion. We have faith that the Lord will open doors. A few years ago, the local school said we couldn't go on school property to distribute Bibles. And uh, that following year, that same year, I know uh, uh, CW, late C.W. Golf was talking about it, and, and so we'd always distributed it to the fifth graders. And so at that time, Savannah was still a fifth grade teacher. So she said, well, on cow days, you know, when they, she brings the kids cow days, just make them, let them loop behind the church. So sure enough, that, that morning, that Friday morning, here come the fifth grade teachers with a trail of kids behind them. So we had the opportunity to pass out the Bible. So this, this has gone on for several years. But then this year, the board decided, I guess, a low attendance or whatever, they wouldn't have school on Friday. So that cut that out. So which our, our camp president talked to the superintendent, which happened to be a Gideon, and they said they would work out some way where, you know, would have access to the kids this time. So I, I found out this morning that uh, even though the Gideons didn't get to go on school property and distribute them, they got to take Bibles to the fifth grade, and as they went through the school lunch line, they had access to pick them up if they'd like to have them. So, so we did get, you know, the opportunity to pass, you know, to give them out in, in school. But uh, just remember, nothing's impossible with God. And, uh, you know, just, just think about it. This little book right here said, The Bible is the only book that when you open it and read it, the author speaks to you and wants to have a personal uh, relationship with you and you to have a personal relationship with him. And uh, a little bit about myself, because I think everybody has a story. And... Most times, the, a lot of it's not good, but I was raised by two loving Christian parents, and I was brought up to go to church and to Sunday school, and on. when I was 10 or 12 years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I remember sitting over about oh, three or four pews up from the back, about from the, when uh, the pastor had an altar call, and, and I felt the call to go up front, but... As a, a kid, you just think, man, I don't want to go up in front of all them people, you know. And, and so I just held on to the back of that pew like, you know, I, I, I'm not going. But luckily I let go and, and I came up and accepted the Lord as, as, my, uh, as my Savior. When I turned 16 and got my driver's license, it's kind of like the church in Christ just kind of left. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I got driver's license. There's a lot of things I can get out there and do. 
there you know just so many things it seemed like there was always something else to do besides you know go to church and uh i recall kind of after i got my driver's license i had several car wrecks and i recall one where uh my younger brother and my cousin and a friend of mine lived out the road was with me and went out the road there a little ways and turned the car over a bank two or three times and ended up upside down up against the tree and that was before seat belts and all and we crawled out through the windshield, and not, none of the four of us were hurt. Right? Didn't even have a scratch on us. And at that time, I thought, well, man, I was just lucky. But in hindsight, you know, that was a miracle. I got married when I was about 20 years old, for all, I've said, for all the wrong reasons. I said it was for lust instead of love. And after three or four years of marriage, she came home one day and said she'd met somebody else and wanted a divorce. So... I felt like a total failure, and, and I even considered suicide, but something inside of me said that wasn't the right, right thing to do. But at this time, I was living my life all about myself and about me. So I started running around dating into what I thought at the time, having a good time, and all, and, and marriage was the last thing on my mind. And uh, so this goes on for a year or two, and I'd known Savannah for a, oh, a long time because she was the wife of my best friend's, uh, she was a sister of my best friend's wife. And uh, so we started, you know, just being together and so we ended up, you know, dating. And after about a year and a half or so of dating, she come to me one day and said, uh, are you serious about me? And at this time, I was still gun-shy. I didn't want another marriage, you know. And said, you know, she said, if you don't tell me something, I'm going to start, you know, dating some other people. So you see how it turned out. So... <laughs> But that's about 36, 7 years ago, so I guess it's not, but uh, I, think I, I think I ended up with the better end of the deal. So uh, A couple of years later, was blessed, uh, we were blessed with a baby boy, and when he got older, I didn't know if it was really a blessing or not, but uh, we, we made sure that he knew about Christ. Close to 20 years ago or so, I was convicted of trying to grow something that was illegal, and I was sentenced to jail for two years. And after being locked up for oh, a couple of months or so, uh, I had access to a phone. And I called Savannah, and, and she said that Blake was sick and said had taken him to the doctor and didn't know what was wrong with him, but he just get, kept getting weak and sicker. And, and I thought I had the most helpless feeling because I thought, here I am locked up. I was used to providing for my family, taking care of for my, uh, taking care of my family, and here I am locked up in a jail cell and couldn't do anything. And but all I could do was pray and, and you know think about what I'd done. And and uh, but I went to bed, sleep, you know, praying. I woke up praying. And I don't know how many of y'all have had dreams or visions or that came true. But one night when I was asleep, I had I, I think of it as a vision, but. And in this vision, this is while Blake was still sick, and in this vision, I experienced the most brilliant light you could ever see. And it was so, it was so bright you couldn't look at it. And a voice came out of the light and said, Don't worry, I'm in control. And I woke up the next morning. I couldn't wait to get on the phone and call Savannah. And when I called her, she said, Didn't know what, was, what happened, but, you know, Blake wasn't sick anymore, and the doctors couldn't explain it. And uh, so 
six or seven years ago, I was given an opportunity to go on a mission trip to Honduras. And a couple months or so before I left to go on this trip, uh, I had another dream. And in it, this dream was different first, and it didn't have the bright light now. But in this dream, I heard a voice that said, if you go to Honduras, you won't come back. And I woke up in a cold sweat. I didn't tell anybody. I thought, I don't know what I'm going to, you know. I'd already said I was going to go, but I thought, I don't know, you know, if I'm going or not. But in the meantime, I hadn't had a tetanus shot, and I needed to update my tetanus shot. So I contacted Robert, and he said, yeah, come on up. He'd give me a tetanus shot. So while I was there, I was back there in, in little little rooms now, and Pam was back there talking to me. She said, oh, you're going to have a good time. You're going to enjoy this and, and all. But uh, And I don't know what it was because she must have seen something. She said, is something bothering you? And I said, yeah, I had this dream. And I said, and this dream said, if you go to Honduras, you're not coming back. And she said, she was very positive. She said, well, it may mean that you're not going to come back the same way that you go. And I said, well, that may be the case, but I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm not coming back. But... But I'd also remembered back, too, for years prior about the first dream I had when I was locked up and where it said, don't worry about it, I'm in control. And I thought, well, if I'm, if I'm going, if it's God's will for me to go down there, whatever happens, happens. I'm, you know, I'm good either way. So uh, so went on, you can see I'm here, so, you know, I made it and came back. But, but uh, and I just thought about something, you know, Satan is good at what he does. Satan is good at putting doubt in your mind. Satan is good at telling you you can't do that or you won't make a difference. One person won't make a difference now. So, But he's got, he's got a lot of experience at it, and he's good at what he does. But as we was getting ready to, to go on the trip, I thought, I've never been on a mission trip now before, and I thought, what am I going to do? So I thought, surely I need to take some Bibles with me. So I uh, got in contact with C.W., and I said, can I buy 100 Bibles? And he said, yeah, I can sell you some Bibles, but since you're not a Gideon, I wasn't a Gideon at the time. He said, you know, they just won't have the little Gideon logo on. So anyway, I, I get my hundred Bibles, and, and so I get them in my luggage now and go down there. And, and so the the leader of the team knew I used to do electric wiring, and, and he asked me if I'd wire a school up in the mountains. And I said, I would. So we go down there, and so at the end of the week or so, you know, wire the school and so we go back up there for the last time, and I take my Bibles with me. And so when you get there, and the teacher and the kids are all there, and, and so they're so excited when I, I, you know, told them I brought some Bibles to distribute to them and all, because they said they decided they didn't have any reading books. So the teacher said, we use these as reading books. And I thought, what better way of spreading the word to take somebody, and they're going to use them as reading books. It's not, you know, an option whether you want to or not, so they're going to hear God's word there in the school. And uh, and then I can tell you another story. I think it was a miracle. The time was down there, and while that week, while I was there, one afternoon when we got back early, and we went out distributing water out in the place, and and two of the missionary women came to me and asked me to walk with them over to, to a little house said had a sick girl in it. So we go probably a hundred, 150 yards out through the little. Well, the house wasn't as big as this, or half the size of this pulpit area probably. And walk in a dirt floor of mud walls, no windows, no doors. And this little girl was laying on a mat on the floor. And they said she was about 10 or 12 years old. And she didn't look like she'd weigh 50 pounds and just laying there in a the fetal position. And uh, so she looked 
lifeless. I mean, to me, not knowing, I thought she's going to die soon just by her appearance. And so one of the uh, missionaries who could speak Spanish asked her, said, have you taken her to the doctor? And she, and she said, well, it would take so many limp pearls to, to get and go to the bus and so much on the bus ride and so much for the doctor's visit and so much for the medicine and then so much to get back home. And in my mind, I'm, I'm sitting here, and it's done up seven, 800 of Lempiris. And I didn't know the, how the money transferred and all. And, and uh, so finally I asked one of the women, I said, how much money is she talking about? And she said, about $50. And, I, and so I whispered to her, and I said, you tell her that I can make that happen. You know, the Lord had put me in, in that position for a reason. But I said, you tell her I can make that happen. So... I start to pay her, and she's oh no, don't don't where we're at, you can't show him money. So we leave, and I gave her the money, and, and she gave it to one of the family members to take back. So the following year, was back down there, and uh, was out in the same area, giving out water again, and, and all the kids were playing, and all around me. And the Chris, Chris, the missionary, asked me, he said, "Do you remember the little girl?" And, and I looked there, and I said, "No, I don't remember her." And, and uh, he said, "That's Elsa." And I thought, that's the little girl that was on the mat that I thought was lifeless that wouldn't live very much longer. And this is the little girl that now, you know, is up and running around and bouncing. So God's still in the miracle business. But, uh, and by the way, I'm going back this year. Our team's going back this year. If anybody would like to go, uh, we'd, you know, like to take you with us. So. But there are lots of ways to purchase Bibles other than the funeral home. We have uh, uh, this, uh, like called the Life Book. It has uh, you can buy well, like Hallmark cards or whatever. And every time you send a card, you also send a Bible to someone. And they have there's different cards for different occasions: uh, thank you, birthday, anniversary, birth, wedding, graduation. And that's just, you know, part of them. And these can be purchased online if anybody would like to. And uh, so, and, uh, by the way, are there any other Gideons here in, in their congregation, if you would? Or So, yes. And, well, that's not near enough hands. I think there's, there's a whole lot of people in here who would qualify to be Gideons. So uh, if any others would like to, to be one, just talk to them after service. And... And lately they've started a new program. You can be a prayer partner or a financial partner. And prayer partner is just what it says. All, we, all you'd have to do is just be in prayer for the Gideon organization. And financial partners without becoming a Gideon would be involved, I think, $120 a year. And that entitles you to be able to purchase Bibles to distribute, you know, if you want to or whatever. But, you know, and sometimes it's just as simple as going up to somebody and asking them, said, do you know Jesus? And I'll tell you a little experience I've had with this app card that you can download this on for the young ones that, you know, everybody got them a smartphone nowadays, the ones other than the old people like myself that can't use them. But I got one, I just can't use it like they can. But but you can download it and you can have the Bible on your phone. But uh, back in the summer when we was bringing the youth over here and and sitting there about the third seat back, and and I remember sitting there and and, uh, Mark was uh, speaking that night. And the girls, you know, he was said, open your Bible to 
chapter so-and-so and verse so-and-so. And so, the, you know, the girls in front, they had to buy one. They were just more so playing with it. And so I helped them, you know, finding, you know, what Mark was going to talk about. And then, but I also noticed they wasn't paying attention to it. So then I take my phone out and I pull up my Bible app and I, I get to what, you know, Mark's going to read. And I just hand it over to him and I said, here, you want to read it off there. So the girl, and she doesn't come here now. She's moved off, I think. But I noticed when Mark was reading, she was, you know, reading along with him. She was looking at and what caught my eye most was when he stopped reading, she kept scrolling and reading. So and she wouldn't have done it with the Bible. So we do anything we can. We think that some way, any way we can to get the message across, you know, to, to about, you know, using the Bible. But, uh, you know, this little, this little Bible right here can be the difference between life or death. Life and eternity with a living Savior or to a lost person, death, separation from Christ for eternity. I could give a lot of other testimonies of what this little book has meant to someone, but I know we're limited on time. So, uh, but said, we're not a minister separate from the church. Through your help, we're partners with the church. It said, it's critical for us to get God's word, the truth, into a culture that is increasingly skeptical of Christianity. Psalms 96.3 says, I declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. We can trust our ministry Ministry is effective because we have the promise of Isaiah 55.11. So shall my word go, be that goes from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I pur- purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. And here's just a little something to think about the motel Bibles that are placed. said, is the value of the Bible found in its placement in the drawer, or is it in the number of conversations required to get the Bible in the drawer? Conversations include the manager or the owner of the hotel, members talking to hotel staff as they go from room to room, and members sharing their experience at home, telling their families about the God-given opportunities at what they did with them. There's also the congregation at church on Sunday, such as yourself, and the pastor and the Gideon share about the open doors God has put in their paths and how they were obedient to be used by God. These conversations are opportunities for the Christian business professional man to be a witness for Jesus Christ and encourage others to do the same. So back to the value of the hotel Bible. is the placement and distribution of the scripture serves as a means through which a man can leverage his ability to influence people, moving them closer to, to who God has created them to be. And just remember, there's no door that God can't open. And studies show that 2,300 people will come in contact with each one of these Bibles before that Bible is, is replaced with a new Bible. You know, we're worn out or people tear pages out of it uh, or, what, you know, whatever. But uh, 23 people, 2,300 people will come in contact with that Bible. And like Todd alluded to earlier, said Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Today I lay before you the greatest challenge ever given to man by the greatest person who's ever lived. No matter how many honors, awards, or achievements may have been placed in your hands, nothing can ever begin to compare with this command of our Lord Jesus Christ to help take his message of love and forgiveness to every person in every community, in every city, in every country of the world, and make disciples of all nations. At the beginning of the service, I was introduced. Why was that? Many of y'all knew who I was, but I'm sure there's some here that doesn't. And uh, it's the same way in the world. We're all God's children, but so many don't know him. It's our job to introduce them to Jesus, someone they so desperately need to know. We've been given a job to do today. Today I'm asking, asking for your help, your help to help the Gideons spread the word to be part of the Great Commission. Thank you for the opportunity to speak here today, and thank you for y'all's gifts. Amen. Um, this morning, as uh, Rick was sharing, just thinking about uh, Paul's words to the church at Corinth, there in Second Corinthians. Come on, baby. Um, there in Second Corinthians chapter five, Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new what? Creation. Yeah. The old is gone. What? The new has come. And he says this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He said God gave us this responsibility because we become new creations. God has now called us to be a part of it. And he says that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Again, you hear that. This message of reconciliation, being trusted to believers. Therefore, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He says, for our sake, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in Christ we might become the very righteousness of God. This hope of the gospel. And so I want to compel you this morning how might you be a part, right? God may not be calling you to be a Gideon, but how might God use you in the ministry of reconciliation? God this morning may use you to be a prayer partner, right? Compelling you to pray, to help be a part of praying for God's word to go forth. God may use you this morning to give. We're going to challenge you, right? There's going to be Gideons at the door. We encourage you, make your checks out to the Gideons, right? Just write on the check, pay to Gideons, give that. There'll be the Gideons at the door, take that up. We want to encourage you today to give, be a part of this mission or ministry of reconciliation. Then God may use you to go and share the gospel, right? I mean, God may take you to your job or to your work site, right? I mean, to the community today, to a waiter or waitress. I don't know where you may go after here. I want to encourage you. God is going to use you to take this ministry of reconciliation, right? To share the good news. Compelling. Look what he says again. God making his appeal through us. Did you hear that? God is going to take and make the appeal through him, through you, to the world, right? That's what Rick was doing. He's making the appeal, right? God is using him to share with you and encourage you to give, to be faithful, to be a part of this ministry. And this is what he says. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. And that's the great question you have to wrestle with ultimately at the end of the day. What does it take to be reconciled to God? Is it good works? Is it going to church? 
Is it giving money to the Gideons today? What? Does it go on mission trips? Is it singing? Like, what does it take to be reconciled to God? And God's word is clear that he created heaven and earth, right? This heaven and earth. And he put man and woman on the earth. And it says they disobeyed God and they were rebellion against him. And that separated them from him forever. Yet it says that God in his love, he sent forth prophets and messengers. He sent a man by the name of Moses who gave the word of God, right? Who laid forth the law of God to the people. And yet the people still heard God's word and they continued in their rebellion. And God said, I'm going to do something that's so radical to transform anyone and everyone. And it's this. He says, I'm going to remove your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to take out your old way of thinking and desiring and doing. And I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you the spirit of God to cause you to desire to obey from the heart. That not only will you be forgiven of everything you've done by your faith and trust in Christ. But receiving God's spirit that you could now live a different life. You no longer have to be who you are. And he says, listen, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled by putting your faith and trust not in anything you have done, will ever do, but in the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Trusting in Christ alone. Nothing else will give you a righteous, perfect, perfect standing before God. But it's Christ alone. So I'm compel you and implore you today be reconciled to christ i compel you today as a believer if you are a follower of christ how does god want you to be a part of the gideon ministry how can you give how can you pray how can maybe you god may be calling you to be a part this morning to help take the word of god to the nations listen rick mentioned him too man cw golf man he loved he loved the Lord, and he was passionate for this ministry. As I stand here today, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 11 gives this long list of all these faithful people that have gone on. And Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we are grounded, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every sin that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race that was marked out for us. Listen, today is an opportunity, and I shared with the boys, we talked just yesterday a little bit about C, and I said, man, tomorrow is going to be an opportunity just to continue on honoring the legacy that he set before us. This morning, Emily's been helping sub in a Sunday school class, and we were walking up steps, and down came the steps, came Miss Linda Hall. Miss um, Linda, I think, said, been here at the church since she was 11, started as a baby, but a member here since she was like 11. And I said, what would you just share with these kiddos? I, listen, I... We've had some unbelievable folks share the gospel before us. I think it's important for us as younger members, but even as members, that we look to the old that are here and those that have already gone before us and say, what did they strive to set before us? How did they live Christ and follow that example? So this morning, I want to compel you. I want to, I want to be here with Rick and say, I'm imploring you first and foremost, you need to be reconciled to Christ by God, do reconcile to God by Christ. But also compelling you to follow in that example that CW has left for us as a church to labor well of sending God's word, of heeding what Rick has shared this morning and being a part of that. So this morning, the first call is, are you reconciled to God? Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you repented and believed? Have you? It's the most important decision you will ever make. I promise you. 
Your eternity rides upon this decision. Secondly, I'm asking you, how might you be a part of this this morning? I want to challenge you to give. I want to challenge you to pray for God's word to go forth. I want to challenge some of you to be obedient to maybe God stirring your heart to be a part of this ministry, to take God's word to this community and to the nations. This morning, the question is, will you be obedient to those things? Take it in for a minute, man. We don't have to rush past. Will you be obedient? Will you be reconciled to God this morning? Will you continue in your rebellion, thinking that you're fine as you are and you have no need of Christ? This morning, how will you respond? Will you at least commit to pray? Would you give? What's the cost of uh, of a New Testament, Rick? Is it dollar and three cents? Maybe you the big one. So maybe you give a dollar. Maybe you give five. Maybe you give five hundred dollars. I don't know what you give. I want to compel you to be obedient and be a part of taking God's word, imploring others to be reconciled to God. Will you be obedient? Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the word. Thank you for Rick's testimony. Just a reminder of how you change and transform us, how you use us, God. Thank you for how you speak. Thank you that you are a God, not of the dead, but of the living. You didn't say you were the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you said to Moses in the bush, I am the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Father, thank you, Lord for the hope that we have in the gospel. Thank you that this morning, as we gather here on this Sunday morning, Lord, we gather because you were raised from the dead on a Sunday morning. Father, we celebrate this morning, just as I read there in Mark 16 this morning early. He is not here. He has risen. Father, I thank you for the resurrection of Christ. I thank you for the defeat of sin. Thank you for the defeat of the curse that is is standing before each of us, death. Thank you that Christ has won the victory. Father, I implore and compel and beg this morning that there would be brothers and sisters, there would be 9 and 10-year-old boys and girls in this place who would respond to the gospel. There would be teenagers this morning that would not continue to resist the Holy Spirit of God and their need to be reconciled to you. I compel this morning, be reconciled to God. Father, I just pray that your Spirit would do what I desire so deeply, just to speak in the hearts and minds of people and say, open your eyes and see. Father, this morning, would you move that people would give freely? Lord, not because they have to, not because there's some guilt, not because some emotional plea about CW or some story they heard. God, your word says that God desires that we would not give reluctantly, not under compulsion, but freely, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, Father, I just pray right now that there will be just a question to you. God, what would you have me give? In response to what you've given me, you've given me everything in Christ. What can I give back in return, Lord? How might just a small way of me saying thank you? So, Lord, whatever that is, would you make that known? Thank you for Rick this morning. Father, thank you for C. Thank you for all of our Gideons. I thank you for the auxiliary unit, all of our ladies who are so faithful. Father, would you bless this ministry? Would you continue to use it to reach this community and the nations? We love you, Father. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.